Hello, and welcome to The Exit, presented by Flippa, the number one platform to buy and sell online businesses. Flippa manages over a billion in deal value annually and combines expert buy and sell side advisory with its market-leading valuation tool, deal room, off-market offering, market insights, and AI-based deal-by-deal matching engine. Now for The Exit. The Exit is a 30-minute podcast featuring awesome entrepreneurs who have been there and they have done it. The Exit talks to operators who have bought and sold businesses of all different sizes. You learn how they did it, why they did it, and get exposure to the world of Exits. It's a world occupied by a small few, but accessible to many. On this episode, I sit down with Raya Skogland. She's a fantastic entrepreneur who's been part of multiple exits, and now she coaches and mentors amazing entrepreneurs all over the world. And in this episode, we unpack her most successful exit, which was an online accelerator that was helping startups. And this was a great example of educating customers and people just really emphasizing their model in the current state that it was. Pre-COVID, people were saying, why would I need something that's online when everybody comes into our office to do the accelerator and work together and collaborate? And this is such a great example around timing because COVID hit and boom, there was just an explosion in demand for going all online. So everybody started migrating over to leverage her platform. And at the same time, the acquiring company that she'd been working with as that was an accelerator for a long period of time managing that relationship reached out. And within 10 days, the acquisition was done. So extremely fast. And this is a, another good example of how timing is so key to push things quickly. And this, you know, of course, with, with COVID being a, you know, kind of a black swan event, it was just such a good story. And I think there's so many great stories out there of entrepreneurs that had something that was all virtual, all online, that just blew up during the time where everybody was quarantining. And to keep a business running, uh, they really needed to, to move virtual. So this episode is very wide ranging. We talk about a lot of different topics, but stick around to the end because you're going to want to hear exactly what Raya says about the lessons she's learned. Some fantastic knowledge right there. And it's all the way at the end. Definitely, you're not going to want to miss that because it's a first on the podcast. A lot of people talk about, you know, take more risks, start earlier, things like that, which is fine. And I love that advice. But this is a new one. This is a new piece of advice that is extremely valuable. It took me a long time to learn this key piece of advice as an entrepreneur and as a CEO. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode here with Raya Skogland on the exit. All right. I am here with Raya Skogland. And currently, she is helping founders build their brand, fundraise, and scale. How's it going, Raya? Going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to really dig into to your past and everything and your successes. There are multiple exits to kind of talk about here. But before we get there, let's talk about your background. How did you get started in business and entrepreneurship? 
Yeah. So my, my background, actually, I started in private banking. I was in my early, very early 20s in investment management, trading, risk management. And my last position in banking was actually wealth management for uh, Middle East uh, clients. Uh, but, you know, great titles, good money in Switzerland, but I really was not passionate about what I was doing. Maybe one day I'll go back to banking. Who knows? But at that time, I was not really uh, into that. So um, I was just an entrepreneur. I, I could see problems and I was trying to figure out solutions. I wanted also to explore my own potential. You know, you're in your early 20s. You don't, you have all these dreams and you wonder, who am I actually? I was searching for myself. I had an opportunity to come to Norway because I, I married a Norwegian man. And when we came to Norway, for me, it was starting a new book and writing my own story, deciding who I wanted to be, who I could be. I started by, uh, I mean, I was aware that I didn't know anybody. I didn't speak the language. I still don't really speak the language. Um, I didn't have any friends. And I really didn't. I did start a few companies with friends in Geneva, in Switzerland. However, nothing picked up, failure after failure. So I felt I knew nothing about business. I needed to continue exploring and learning. So uh, I started by connecting with founders very quickly. Very quickly, I actually built a, a big community of founders with over 1,000 founders, part of my community, my network, within this, less than a year because I was hosting monthly networking events for founders. Originally, the idea was for me to make, meet people and make new friends who are founders because we share that passion for entrepreneurship. And very quickly, that became a, a product itself, a community with founders coming back and more and more founders. And every month I had up to 300 people coming at my events, which were simply networking. And that was actually the foundation of everything I built. That was my market research without realizing what I was looking for, what I was doing. I, I had this wish to, to help. And I was asking everybody I was meeting, what can I do for you? Because I wanted to learn from them, but also contribute. And that question, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Created so many opportunities to me. One of them, uh, you know, it's networking with everybody, giving back, paying it forward, uh, led me to building the community, launching the Hub.io, which is today the largest job platform for startups to recruit talent in the Nordics. I launched it in Norway. We, we were in different countries. And one thing after the other, everything started because I was curious. I was passionate about entrepreneurship. I wanted to know who, who I was, what could I create. And I really wanted to help, helping mm -hmm. others and figuring out how, how can I support them. Yeah. That's the background story behind everything I've done. Well said, well said. And, and you know, I like what you mentioned about just searching for problems. You know, I think a lot of people overthink it when it comes to like at the core of entrepreneurship it's it's finding a, a problem to solve and the size of that problem is usually you know the the, the market reaction is, is what is received um in terms of value extraction and everything so i think there's there's a lot of really good knowledge nuggets there but let's talk a little bit about your your first success this, this the job um sort That's of opportunity cool. board and let's talk about what you were tracking. What what types of things were you using to define success? You mean when we launched the Hub.io in Norway? Yes. Well, success uh, when we launched the job uh, platform, the marketplace, was defined by KPIs. 
that mm-hmm. we agreed on before we launched. So we had the community, but we had to ensure progress by hitting certain KPIs that were very ambitious. Mm-hmm. That was one thing. When you have the KPIs and you know that next month you need to get 200 new companies signing up on your platform with maybe 500 jobs listed on your platform, you start to figure out your way, how to hack your growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the ambitious KPIs helped us really uh, stretch ourselves, uh, support each other. We were in different countries, country managers in different countries. Uh, thank God, I mean, we were blessed to be funded by a bank, a huge bank in the Nordics. So we had the money, but not like endless money. We had money to to be able to actually um, invest in people to build the company, mm-hmm. the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so KPIs, high ambitions, and hacking your growth, figuring out, okay, next month I need to add 200 new companies. Where do I find them? So one of the hacks uh, that we used is that we went to find uh, a list of companies, startups uh, created in Norway you have, and in the Nordics, you have access to this database from the state provided by the state. These are the amount of companies that were created this year. Uh, this is what they do and so on. So we were create, we were finding this list and creating the profiles of each company already on the platform. So let's say I find your company and you have no clue who we are. I go ahead, I find your website, I create your profile on our platform and we send it to you for validation. So every day we were creating, we had an intern creating 50 platforms, going on their website, uh, taking their values, the pictures, creating the description, finding even the jobs that they're posting, whether it's on their social media channels or their own website, creating the jobs, sending them a link saying, we know you're busy, we created this uh, profile for you and the jobs are already there, please validate if you want to join. If you don't want to join, let us know and within 24 hours we delete your profile. So we had to come up with things like that to accelerate our growth. Very cool. Very cool. So let's kind of fast forward to to the exit. Like, how how did that begin, and what was that progression like? So the exit I had was not related to the hub. Uh, I left the hub after two years, and the management contract moved to another company. And my company continued solving another problem. I wanted I when I was managing the hub in Norway. We were helping startups recruit talent, but I could see many were coming to us to find investors or to, you know, learn how to actually build their business. I ended up advising each one of them. You know, year, year, within two years, we had all the startups in Norway, which was at that time, 2016, you know, 17, uh, over 1,000 something, you know, 1,200 plus companies. So I was in touch with all these companies and many of them were coming, getting in touch with me, asking me, Raya, okay, uh, thank you for the, whatever work you do, you know, the work you do with the hub. Uh, but actually, do you know anybody who can advise us on growth, who can help us with marketing, who can help us get an introduction to investors, who can review our pitch, and so on and so on. So I started to connect the dots and helping them first. And at some point, I was like, okay, I have all these companies coming my way. Uh, you know, 2016, 17, this is before, before, I will tell you the story. So uh, I had all these companies coming my way and I needed to figure out how to help them. So I came up with, you know, organizing an online accelerator for startups to go from idea to investors. And actually what I'm still doing now is from the idea to exit. So from idea to investors, um, I pitched it to the hub 
and to our biggest uh, partner, the bank, they were not aligned with that. It was not matching our KPIs aligned with the strategy. So I went my way. I decided to leave the hub. This is why I decided to leave the hub, uh, to continue building my vision to create an online Nordic accelerator helping startups with tapping into a knowledge and network of experts. I've done that. Uh, myself, a company, you know, you have to build a platform. You have to find experts, record content, promote it, sell it, and so on and so on. After a year, I met uh, one of the largest accelerators in Norway, uh, an early stage VC. And that was really, um, I met them. Basically, I met <laughs> that, that, that person, that, uh, that guy. Uh, at his place because his wife invited me to have lunch on a Sunday lunch with kids to get to know each other. She was a mom in the, the school. We had kids uh, in the same class, if I remember, or in the same same grade at the same level. Um, she was also part and active in the startup community. She was an angel investor. And basically, she simply invited me to have lunch, Sunday lunch, to get to know each other since we have similar interests. Uh, this is where... Um, her husband, who I didn't know at that time, uh, who managed, who's managing one of the largest accelerators in in the Nordics, uh, we started to get to know each other. And immediately he told me, well, Raya, you know what? I'm Actually, I like what you're doing. I like this, the vision of an online accelerator. Uh, there's nothing like that right now in, in the Nordics. So, you know what? Join us. Can you join us? Are you interested in joining us as head of fintech? You have a, a finance background. We have fintech companies. You can coach them. You can work with us. And let's see how it goes when it comes to your platform. What do we what do we do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, after over a year of running that accelerator, bootstrapping, small team, doing many mistakes as well uh, when it comes to things that I would not do again. And this is what I'm, the way I'm running my business today is avoiding mistakes I've done in the past. And we can talk about that. So we were running out of money, chasing money, having sponsors, but not enough sponsors. You're probably familiar with the, the accelerator business. It's mm -hmm. not that easy to generate <laughs> money with the, <laughs> via an accelerator. So uh, I was happy to find a company that was interested in my accelerator that I could join, continue building my knowledge, more aligned with, with, I, with what I was doing, which is accelerating people. And let's see what happens with my program. Um, and um, so I joined uh, as head of fintech, and six months later, COVID hit. When COVID hit, what I didn't mention is that before getting in touch with the factory uh, who acquired my, my accelerator, uh, before getting in touch with them, I was in touch with many other accelerators, some of the best ones in the Nordics, and everybody was telling me, but Raya, who needs an online accelerator, you know? Everybody comes to our co-working space. Everybody comes to our accelerator, you know? We, everybody comes here. We don't need anything online. These are some of the best people who advise companies in Norway that I spoke to. And I was like, you know what? But I, when I was managing the hub, they were coming to me and I was advising them online. I can't do this one-on-one. -on -one. I need to scale it. That was the problem I wanted to solve. So if you haven't experienced the need, because it maybe doesn't match your business model, I saw the problem. I saw the need and I want to come up with a solution. I created it. Now I'm looking for other people to team up with me. Maybe you have startups coming to your accelerator, but probably many don't have the capacity to leave their city and join you in Oslo or Stockholm. 
they live in another place? Why would they leave their family and, and habits and everything? Why can't they, like today it sounds basic, you know, why can't people join an online course? <laughs> Five years ago, <laughs> it was not basic. I had to educate people that there was a world online ready to be, uh, you know, ready to adopt online technologies and online courses and programs. I, I find today it's like everybody has taken at least one online course uh, in their life. That was not the case a few years ago. Do you own an online business? You can find out what your business is worth in under three minutes with Flippa's Intelligent Valuations Engine. If you've ever wondered what the value of your business is or who would buy your business, Flippa's Intelligent Valuations Engine can help. Flippa uses key details that you provide, including business model, category, age, page views, and compares all that data to thousands of similar businesses that have sold on Flippa's marketplace to give you an accurate and instant valuation. This is key if you're looking for an exit. As the leading global platform to buy and sell online businesses with the largest community of buyers in the world and more historical sales data than anywhere else, Flippa will provide you with an accurate indication of the price that your business could sell for. And it's all instant and free, which is a kicker here that can't be passed up. Whether you own a SaaS business app, e-commerce store, blog, community newsletter, plugin, and any other type of digital asset, Flippa can help you understand the value of your business and support you on your exit journey. So get a free valuation on your business today at flippa.com slash exit. Once again, that is flippa.com slash exit. Uh, that's why when uh, I met uh, Ingar at the factory, it was a good match. When COVID happened, my accelerator became very relevant and it was an acquisition done in 10 days, within 10 days. 10 very stressful days because when my accelerator was acquired, the platform was acquired, I also became at the same time CEO of the factory accelerators. Mm. So I went from head of fintech to becoming CEO of the factory accelerators. And at the same time, I was selling my platform to myself, not really to myself, but to the company that I was representing. So I had two hats. I had the hat as CEO of the, the accelerators and I had the hat as CEO of my previous company. Here are a few challenges because whose interest do you protect in terms of negotiation? How do you negotiate that? You're wearing both hats. Uh, that's why it was very uh, interesting 10 days. Uh, the acquisition went well, uh, luckily, uh, and the date was acquired. And a few months later, I actually left again because I saw another gap in the market. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. And, and, and COVID really just took off and was like a forced education, you know, exactly. for everybody, for the importance of online and, and everything. So. In terms of, you said there were right there at the end that you stayed there for a couple months. Um, what was the team's eyes when the deal went through? Did they stick around for yeah. a little while? And how, how did that work? So, you know, it was in the middle of COVID. So as a new CEO, I was managing different things. We, the business is moving online. We have our partners, biggest sponsors, who are starting to say, we know we can't pay anymore. We don't know what's the future going to be. So 
we had to let go people. So I had to also fire people and figure that out. Um, we were also, many were, um, you know, working part-time. Uh, a very challenging period, like, for everybody at that time. Um, so my team, uh, the, 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 the company in itself, we were, I don't know, I don't remember, like, maybe 10, 15, 10 around 10. Uh, and the accelerators, the accelerators, it was uh, like four, four, four people. So small team. Today, they're much bigger, much bigger team. Um, mm. so small Got company, it. agile company, um, yeah, around 10 people. Got it. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I guess COVID really sped things along for the deal to, deal length, like 10 days is crazy to think about. <laughs> Just yeah. all that compacted in there. And I think it, it's a good segue into to being prepared. Uh, so what kind of tips can you share around preparing yourself and your business? So, you know, if you look at my story, it's very typical for an exit where you start building a relationship with the, the company that is acquiring you way before it happens. So the relationship building started almost two years before that because I've been working with them, not knowing, you know, would they acquire it? I was not in a rush either, actually. I was having it and I was wondering, what can I do? If they don't want it, I can still run it. Maybe, you know, I'm learning now. I will figure it out. Uh, I would say one of my biggest advice, and this is also what we advise companies to work with now when we prepare them to exit, is to start building a relationship with your competitors and, possi and possible buyers to understand what they're looking for and shape a product that actually matches their ambitions, expectations, and needs. It's like when you sell to a client. You need to understand them and their problems, what they want to achieve. It's like when you're pitching to an investor. You need to understand their psychology. What are they looking for? What kind of companies are they investing in? Same for a company that may acquire you when you're planning for your exit. You need to understand what is the problem that that company has? Maybe entering a new market. So do you have that market? Maybe they would like to get access to technology you don't have access to. So it's about building relationships to be able to understand uh, the counterparty, to shape the product in a way that will match them and it will be a smooth, planned, programmed transition. Got it. Got it. And I guess timing, obviously COVID makes this a little bit of a, a clear, a, a clear case here, but, you know, you've been part of companies that exited later on and, you know, maybe you could share just some, some tips around when the right time to, to exit a, a company is for people because everyone's different, every business is different, but any, any knowledge there? I would say what I see often is that when the company is doing okay, but actually the, there could be so many reasons for an exit. The one that I've seen most often is when the founder, when the founder or the founding team starts to be a bit exhausted and have exhausted their options. Okay, so what's next? We're here, we're doing it. Do we maybe want to, to, to sell, to do something else? We have found a new project, uh, a new problem to solve that we're interested in. Or it could be, I'm tired now doing this with limited resources. I want to join, join another, a bigger company so they can inject some cash and competence. And I continue working with them, but we scale. We grow at, a big, at, a, at another level. So there could be different reasons. And it's very, uh, I would say, um, personal, personal. 
Mm-hmm. Some yeah. founders never want to sell. Some want to sell, and it could be for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. And people are in different chapters. You know, one founder could be just getting started. One one of the founders could have just, you know, started a family. There, there, exactly. One person could be ready to retire. There's so many different factors in it um, that's it really... It could be also the investors who are pushing for an exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many different ingredients that kind of go into mm-hmm. into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a good segue into like overall the the lessons you've learned, and that takes us to the finale of knowing what you know now. What would you tell yourself ten years ago? I think that I ten years ago when I started, I underestimated the importance of making money quickly. Hmm. So everything I do right now in my company is uh, we make money first. That's the validation. That's the best validation. Make Hmm. money first up front. And this is also how I help founders package their product and figure out what's the right problem to solve and focus on um, the the, the business model and the pricing model. How can we actually save money, uh, um, increase your prices, reduce your costs, optimize your company, optimize your workflow, optimize the team, and focus on uh, satisfying your clients? Mm-hmm. I underestimated, like many, we have an idea and we're very idealistic. We're visionary people and we just want to go ahead and we figure out everything along the way. Yes, you do figure out a lot along the way, but if you don't figure out the money question early on, you, might not, you may not have a lot of time to figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. You have to shut down, you have to slow down, you, you get burned out. So money first, money first. And not investor money, please. Client money. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Fantastic advice. It's the first first uh, of that type of advice, which I can totally respect. I've learned that as well. I know a lot of you know seasoned entrepreneurs out there always say, like, get get the money as the form of validator that you're solving something people need um, above a sign up above anything in terms of intent because money is the, what what the check mark is exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly well cool so what are you working on now well different things <laughs> right now I um, we coach founders on fundraising scaling I also connect them to trained board members. We also train board members, and I started um, a year ago, so I'm quite active on LinkedIn, and a year ago, when coaching founders on scaling and gaining customers and so on, I started to introduce LinkedIn as a tool. It's working so well that now my programs are basically how to grow your company by by leveraging LinkedIn, Hmm. how to gain customers, build a community, users, attract investors and talent, thanks to LinkedIn. That's my big focus right now, uh, and uh, it's very, I love it. I love it. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Nice. It's, it's, I've been advising and coaching on fundraising and scaling and building accelerators for many years now, you know, six, seven years. And um, we, we talk about different, uh, we talk about, you know, the pitch deck, uh, we talk about uh, so many things that today I don't believe in, like pitch deck. Even when I raise money for my 
for my companies, investment companies. I raised um, a small fund last year with uh, some angel investors. Did I use a pitch deck? Absolutely not. You know, how did I raise money? It's by building relationships, by meeting somebody around a lunch or a coffee and saying, this is, this is what we're doing. Are you in or are you out? You know, <laughs> as simple as that, within 10 minutes, you know if the person is going to invest in you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is what I teach via my programs. And I also teach how to make the most of LinkedIn because it's a gr- the world is on LinkedIn. You have one, mil- one billion uh, people on LinkedIn. Your clients are on LinkedIn. Your investors are on LinkedIn. I met my investors, many of them via LinkedIn. So it's a great uh, channel to leverage. Nice. Very nice. And where, pe- where can people go and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, they can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm very active. Uh, and uh, I have a newsletter. That's where they can pick my brain and access my most valuable advice via my newsletter on Substack. Awesome. Awesome. Well, wherever you guys are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, the links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Sean.